Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Right here on 1049 The Horn. It is a 512 Friday. That's when the idealionaire Patrick takes uh, some jams, some songs, selective ones uh, that are by very talented human beings. Uh, ones that actually perform right here in Central Texas, and you have a chance to catch these very talented bands and artists live right here in the ATX. And he's going to let you know exactly how. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Friends of the Show, Souls Extolled, and they're playing Saturday at the Far Out Lounge. I like that. I like that. Even more so. Friends of the show. Friends of the show. You've, you've met this young man, the singer of this band. Uh, Zach yeah. was out at a show uh, yes. that we did before. And yeah, no doubt. Uh, you've, yeah, you've, uh, I've been a couple of events uh, that you've hosted, I believe. Yeah. You got a chance to meet some, uh, some See, of the some folks of the people. In, the, in the circle. So I appreciate that because Patrick lives, he basically lives like different lives. He's like, does like the, the there's Patrick that uh, does these sports <laughs> Uh, like show, you know, sports shows, and you know him from Instant Serious, and you know him from being on Ball Don't Lie. And then there's a Patrick that for years was basically a um, man. I don't. Do you have a? Did you have a job? I mean, I started as a roadie, and so then you, was a road manager, and then uh-huh. was doing that stuff. Okay, and kind of had multiple jobs. Yeah, well, yes. you know how I am. You traveled with bands, basically. Uh, yes, I worked for bands, and yeah. then I did that, and then have man. worked in the scene for the last twenty years. So there you go. just kind of keep working with bands and helping people out, and then yeah. do it. We do five one two radio on one zero five three the bat, where See, we play local music, support bands. See, so I'm saying he's basically he's got a little alter ego where he's <laughs> he's all in the music scene, so he's way savvy about it. So you can sound really cool in front of all your friends uh, if you just listen to Patrick on a five one two Friday. It'll give you uh, some great bands and artists and a lot of sleepers out there you may not know about uh, that uh, actually perform at some really cool places. All right, so uh, we'll get to some more NBA topics here. we got a few topics we want to get into and some audio from Album Silver addressing the Ja Morant situation. Uh, you can be a part of the show. Please hit us up on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. You also hit us up via Twitter. Um, I'm at Rod Bayris in the Twitterverse. My man Patrick at It's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. And if you want to cyberstalk my man Harge, you can do that at uh, Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. First, before we get into the Adam Silver discussion uh, about him and his comments on Ja Morant, uh, Patrick, let's break down the finals a little bit and preview Game 4. I'll give you and Harge credit. Y'all both said gentlemen sweep. That is definitely the way things are leaning right now. If the Miami Heat don't win Game 4, it's a gentleman. It's going to be a gentleman sweep. Yeah. I it, it would be and now I don't think Miami is going to submit. All right, and they're not going to give up. They're just, they're the ultimate underdog. They're yeah. built a different way. What it would show us if they can't bounce back with the ultimate desperation factor uh, right now and at home, by the way. At des- and, and one thing to bring up too, 
Denver's not great on the road. They haven't been. This is they, they're not a great road team. They're okay. They're, they're, they're average. not. They're I, average to you know. But, but uh, I, I think there's also when you look at regular season stats mm-hmm. of home and road games. When you get to playoffs, especially in the playoffs, they, they don't hold as much weight because you have to I look agree. into factors of when are you doing load management? Always on the road. When are you resting player? When are you going to play players a little bit less and take away some minutes because they're working with an injury? On the road. When are you going to do these things? On the road because you have an owner who is trying to sell tickets at home and he is telling you, look, I'm fine with load management. Don't do it on my court because we want to sell tickets. So load, road, load management happens on the road. And if you are getting, you know, you're down by 15 with four minutes left in a game and you're on the road, you may pull your guys before you do it at home. There's just a number of factors in a regular season that would make your road record a little bit worse. And then you add in the fact that a home court advantage in the playoffs changes that, yeah, you, it's awesome when you're feeling good and hitting shots. But as I said earlier, every single one of these players is having so much immense pressure added for every single person they've ever met in their entire life trying to get into that game in Miami right now. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, but my, my point was that for them to make history on the road yes. with two 30-point triple-doubles, yeah. which I, I think most people would have took the bet that would have been at home if you'd have told them where that performance would have been. So uh, my point is that if you can't get Miami to bounce back in Game 4 with desperation at their on their side and them playing at home, um, that would tell me not they've given up or submitted because that's not in their character. They got way too much heart for that. They're all dog. But that would tell me they just don't have the energy level. They just don't have the legs. They just, they just don't really have uh, right now the overall kind of, uh, you know, wherewithal within them to get it done they would be just totally exhausted and that's why if game four isn't i'm gonna say competitive but if miami can't find a way to pull it out because i don't think they're ever gonna win uh a in a commanding fashion against denver they gotta win a game of inches against denver um and force denver to play a subpar game that's the whole point of it um but if they don't find a way to do that in game four there's no way they're going to bounce back and they're not going to win this series but even make it competitive i think after that it would show us miami's got no they got nothing left no because the tank they're just they're just all spent yeah because i mean they still put up a decent defensive effort in game four i mean in game three they put up a decent defensive effort in that game they just didn't have the offensive firepower and you go if you lose this one again tonight, I don't know how in game five you come back with anything close to that amount of defensive effort for four quarters. It's just mentally so taxing to do your best and have a great defensive game in game one and lose and have a have a good defensive showing in game two and lose and or game three and lose and then go into game four. And if you have another good defensive showing, you're just like, what's the point? Let's just shoot threes, guys. I don't care anymore. Let's try and outshoot them, which is not how you're going to win. But I think this is what I'm kind of waiting to see. Eric Spolstra is working his way into one of the best problem solvers in the league right now, right? We can think this guy seems to be able to figure out how to solve. Okay, they changed this. They moved this. Let's figure out a a way to do it. They didn't find that out in game three. I think they were hoping that things weren't going to change. If if I can sit here on the radio and predict what they're going to do and give the ball to Jamal Murray and that they're going to play outside in, he knew that too. I don't think I'm smarter than Spolstra and had that the game plan before he did. And I just I think they he thought, okay, we're just gonna go back to our zone, hope they don't hit some threes and it'll work out. Denver just went straight at him. Uh pulling mm-hmm. Bam Adebayo out from the paint. They have to figure out a way to basically switch off defenders and find a three point shooter, which Denver doesn't really have, a guy you can back completely off of. 
that's one of the good things Denver has going for them is basically everyone they're putting on that court can shoot a three. So you're never getting a, hey, like Aaron Gordon is the guy for Denver that you maybe back off of, yeah. but he can hit him. So you it, it makes it difficult. It makes it really difficult to play off of everyone on that team and stand around the rim. And Christian Brown at the end of that game took full advantage of that in game three. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what the next move is for Miami. That's the problem with this series is I could easily mm. tell you after game two what Denver had to do to win the game three, right? I could I could walk on here and go, they just need to start playing inside out, get Jamal Murray involved, they can win. They did it, they won. I don't know what Miami does. I don't know how other than hit more threes, but that's not really coaching. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's, it has been their M.O., though. I mean, they, they are a great three in the playoffs, so, uh, not necessarily throughout the regular season, but when they're hot from three-point range, they don't lose. Uh, but when they're not hot from three-point range, they lose, and they have had, the uh, I think, the biggest leap in three-point percentage from regular season to playoffs in NBA history. So we just haven't seen this team in the regular season. But they if they get hot from three-point range, yeah, all bets are off. Um, and so, so, so in a lot of ways, Miami doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think we're hoping in this game, as you pointed out, Jimmy Butler shows up and they need playoff Jimmy. And playoff Jimmy not only gets his, but he uplifts the play of others around yeah. him. You just brought up Spolstra. We said Spo gave them a coaching advantage. They didn't have a lot of advantages, but coaching and culture might have been two of the advantages that Miami had in the series. They need both of those to show up in this game. The coaching, especially from Spo, they got to get some type of schematic advantage. And getting back to my, my first point, if they don't get that schematic advantage you just brought up or lack thereof from Spo, and you said you really can't see it because uh, Denver presents a conundrum that's really tough to yeah. solve. Um or they just they're on E and they got nothing left. They had yeah. arguably the toughest road to get to the finals in NBA history and playoff Jimmy. Maybe he is essentially kind of a microcosm of them as a team. Like they gave it all they got and they got nothing left. Yeah, I mean, and that's and for Jimmy, it's you know that's your adjustment. And all you can do is like, hey, we need you to try and pump fake threes, hit a three or two, get the, them to come out on you, and then drive the paint aggressively. <laughs> If Jokic helps out, you can throw it to Bam. Bam can dunk it then, or you can kick it back out for a three if you get a help defender coming off there. But we need you to instigate the offense pretty much every play because yeah. when we put the ball in Kyle Lowry's hand, they don't have the respect. They're going to let him shoot. He has no gravity. He's got you got to move better, move people. And yeah, Gabe Vincent and Caleb Jones and uh, Kill Martin and and uh, Max Struess, they're not necessarily driving threats. So you don't really have to worry about Jokic having to come over on help and getting Bam a little bit less pressure, easier ability for him to get some points, or pulling defenders off the back. You just have to be able to drive the bucket to score some more points, especially when your threes aren't falling. And I don't think they've done that aggressively enough in this series. I think you may have to do that. You may just have to go in and go, look, we need to be the dogs and the tougher team and play fit more physically, not necessarily defensively, but offensively. Because – Defensively, it's not terrible. Like one hundred nine for Denver when you're when you miss so many shots that they're coming off of a rebound, and it's really it's way easier to score off a rebound than it is a make. 
because you can't set your defense as well off of, off a rebound as you can off a make. Especially if Jokic gets the ball, he can get down that court, and you yeah. have mismatches everywhere, and you didn't get your guys where you want them. And then they set a screen, and so the guy you're on your your third most likely defender on on Jamal Murray, and they switch you on to your fourth, and you're like, what are we like? Exposed. I can't I can't get over. And by the time you get back over, Jokic is dunking the ball. Or laying the ball up, and <laughs> he says some dunks. He can, He's he got can. a couple of them, but you know, like there's just so much you you have to try and adjust for in the moment when you're playing off of rebounds and missed shots, and they're back down the floor that you have to make some more shots, and that's why, hey man, even though we're not gaining ground on them when we're hitting those threes, at least our defense can then step up because that's our that's our calling card. Is yeah, the that's, you, that's your identity. The, the fact that we're yeah. holding Denver under a 110 in this series and, and the Lakers weren't doing that and the Lakers were one of the best statistical defensive teams in the playoffs and they weren't able to do it. No one else is holding them under 110 and we're at least getting them there. And they're better offensively in the playoffs than they were in the regular season. Yeah. They've gotten better offensively based on offensive rating in every round of the playoffs. And the finals is the first time they've been stymied somewhat. And, and that's just because they figured <laughs> out how to stop KCP and Michael Porter. Well, Michael like, Porter, yeah, you're right. He's had uh, – offensively, he's had a bad But, series. yeah, if you go, well, we stopped their two other guys, they go, well, how did – cool, you stopped the two easiest guys to stop. Well, honestly, the truth is Jokic and Murray – at times, there is no stopping them. No. And, I, and I'll give you some stats here because I was a little blown away. I was uh, listening to uh, some analysis about the finals and started doing some research about Jamal Murray and Jokic. And we don't, we, you know, we've talked about how we don't appreciate Jokic. We've gone on and on to show how we don't appreciate Jokic enough. And once he puts a ring on it, he's, gone, he's going to ascend to a different stratosphere. Of big men in NBA history, like just because his stats already are there right now, but that that's just stats, and even he don't give a damn about stats. He said yeah. that he gets a ring, then all those stats are put into a different context. Um, but him and Murray together, which by the way, we he, Murray's dealt with a lot of injuries in his early career, and that's why he hasn't been you know given a lot of accolades in terms of All NBA or All Star. Uh, this is probably the best we've seen Jamal Murray play. Not that he hasn't been capable of it, we just haven't seen it. But these guys have a beautiful uh, basketball bromance going. And the, the best expression of their basketball bromance is the way they run pick and roll and yeah. the frequency at which they do it. How about this, Patrick? You'll appreciate this as an NBA guy because you've probably known this. probably matches up with your eye test because you watch a lot of NBA. Since 2019, Murray and Jokic have had uh, 1,048 postseason pick and rolls. That's more than any other duo in the NBA. It's the highest number in the league uh, during that time span. That also includes the two years in which Murray didn't play. <laughs> so think, think about how prolific they are. And now yeah. you look at the, the three playoff runs together in 2019, 20, and 23. Murray and Jokic have run more pick and rolls than Steph Curry and Draymond Green, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, LeBron James and Anthony Davis combined. Dude, they are um, in, in these playoffs, the Nuggets, uh, both of them have run 98 more pick and rolls than the next highest duo. They're close to 20 per game, is also postseason high. In those plays, they're, they're getting uh, 1.26 points per possession. Uh, and how about this? Over 80% of their pick and rolls directly lead to a shot or a pass that leads to a shot. Yeah, and I mean, and this is coming from a defense that plays a lot of zone, too, in Miami, 
where the pick and roll should be less effective. And it's, yeah, it might not be as effective, but no, but, but, still, I, it, but so it still works because <laughs> because there hasn't ever been a guy who can dribble and pass and shoot from every part of the court as well as Jokic. Because if you think like the pick and pop, pick and roll, probably the best example of it through history was Stockton Malone, right? Uh, that's yeah. one of the best of th- those guys made a career. They made multiple NBA finals running that pick and roll, mm. and just Malone could shoot, Stockton could shoot, whatever you. If you let either one of them go, whoever you tried to go on to, one of them guys could kill Parker you. Parker and Duncan ran a nice one. They did. They just didn't run it as a, like those yeah. because on those teams, those were the guys. Yeah. And Malone wanted to score every time he could. Mm-hmm. Stockton wanted every assist. You have one of the all-time leading scorers and one of the all-time leading assisters in that as well. Uh, but when you look at that, Malone, Duncan, uh, anybody else you're putting in there doesn't have the ball handles and the passing that Jokic does. Now, Tim was a little closer in probably both of those than Malone was, but that's the next iteration, the next iteration, and none of them had a three-pointer. I know None of them had that where you can start running that further and further away from the bucket, and the further and further you run that pick and roll away from the bucket, and those defenders are having to come out on there, and when it's a three-point pick and roll, and there's so much more space, and it makes everyone have to collapse in so much more because now you can't stand out or else he gets a free pass to the rim. So if you're playing on the on the far side uh, guy in the corner, you're going to definitely be cheating in because you're like, if Jamal Murray comes off of this and gets a ball, he's dunking, and I can't get over there without fouling him. So i got to cheat in so I can at least try and take a charge if this ball comes. And there's everything you're doing. problems to try to solve at one time. And just, you can't do it. Right? There's just too you much. Hope they screw it up. And it's when you add in a guy with a big man that you go, oh, you know, he's just as dangerous from the three-point line as he is a foot away from the basket. Shooting 44% right now from three. Yeah. And so when you know that, <laughs> and then if you do the you pick and roll, and he pump fakes out there, and you go flying for it, he's, then he can dribble right he's, in. He's and then the enough. whole defense claps in, and he throws the ball out, and he'll always make the better pass. So he'll find the guy who's wide open and hot. And that's the other thing. He'll find the guy that's shooting well. He won't just throw the ball to the guy. He knows which guy he's throwing to, and he's throwing to the guy. Oh, that guy's shooting 46% right now. That guy's missed the last three. So I'm going to throw it over to the guy with 46. Basketball supercomputer. It's insane. Yeah, so I was like, they're, they're pick and roll. You got to start putting it up there. It'll go up there now with Carl yeah. Malone and I, John he Stockton. He went a ring because Malone and Stockton didn't win a exactly. ring. Exactly, and you know, Tony Parker and Tim Duncan, like that's they're going to be that deadly all time if you start thinking about them winning a ring and how prolific they are with the pick and roll. So tonight, big game for uh, – we'll talk a little bit more about it. Uh, I'm, I'm picking dinner. That's the yeah. first time I picked Miami in every game. I think so far, uh, and I, this is the first time I'm picking Denver. I said Denver <laughs> win the series, but I'm rooting for Miami. I want it to be competitive and good. And these guys are going gentlemen sweep, and I'm like, I know. I hey, want to watch a hey, really look, competitive what's series. Sad, what's sad? I think Miami's put up more of a fight than I gave them a chance oh, for. Oh man, and that's you're like me watching white men can't jump the new one. <laughs> I'm like, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. That's my review. And they're like, oh, no, I mean, but they're terrible? just so much better. They are so much better. Like, it's not, and, it's clear. and the only thing that yeah. they're winning is Spolstra is one of the best problem solvers in the NBA right now. That he can he yeah. can figure out, and in game two he figured out if they don't make and if they make an adjustment at half, Denver wins that game. They just didn't make an adjustment at half to well, start playing Jokic more on the perimeter. No, remember the game they lost. They're up eight points in yeah. the fourth quarter with twelve minutes left with Jimmy Butler on the bench, and they found a way to lose that game. Yeah, so I, I'm with you at this point. I mean, I, I understand what, what you guys were saying. Now I'm done with my uh, my optimism, the little bit that I did have. <laughs> it's pretty much a done deal. Denver is better, and Denver's going to win. It's just how they win it. 
yeah. at this point. How do they do a gentleman sweep? Or can we get a six? Can we get the can game? We, can, can we, we get, get the game, game six? One that, Hemi Buckets game. That Oh, just one. Wait, just give goes me off one. Talking trash. You yes. Know, one where he's ha- like, one, yeah. I haven't seen him smile in two weeks. No, you no, he his his spirit is run down too. It's not just his legs. He's his spirit is not Jimmy's spirit. Not no. the one that we've seen. And I, you can tell the team what it supposed to say. Uh, we are him and he is us. They right now they look run down like Jimmy does. It, it seems like like and I know he didn't, but it seems like when they went up three zero against Boston, he in his head looked ahead to the next series and went, "Crap, I'm not winning a ring this year." It it looks like that, and like because he knows. And ball. I know he did, but he knows like it knows seemed ball. like from that point on he just went, "I don't know how we beat him." And that's what Jimmy we've seen is defeated Jimmy since then. And that's why Boston comes back and wins three games against him because Jimmy wasn't the same guy out there like, oh, we can beat this Boston team. And I don't, I, I don't know if know it's, that's there, that's but that's fair. the best theory I have why we have not seen a Jimmy Butler. And I know he said the, I'll hold the next one. But, like, you at no point did he look like – He's not playing like he believes. No, and he's not <laughs> playing with any amount of that fire where no. he's coming up and, hey, man, they go on a big run and get ahead. He's not over there pumping up the team. No. I, I need to see that. I would. It, that would be more entertaining than what we're seeing now. Yes. Just, even, if, even if they lose with him – I, I want to see them lose. If they get swept, gentlemen, not swept, but gentlemen swept uh, in this fashion, just give me one game, even if they're going to lose it, with playoff Jimmy showing up. And if we get that, that'll be entertaining. But right now, I'm probably going to tune. If they lose this game, I'm tuning out the finals. I'm, I'm not Do you not watch it on Monday? I'm not going to watch No, I probably, probably won't. I mean, what's the point in watching? It's going to be over. So you yeah. The fat lady ain't singing, but she's definitely put her, she put her wings down and she's warming up. I'll tell you what. If, if there's a game three of Texas versus Stanford on Monday night versus the finals, I think most of our listeners will be oh, watching Texas yeah, versus Stanford. Yeah, they ain't even close on that one. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, man, it's, it's right now it, looked like, it looks like we may be watching the, the coming out party. Officially, even though I know he's a two-time MVP, but I'm talking about to the world and everyone yeah. that this is the announcement and putting everybody on notice. Denver's a try. This is their window. Our window is officially open. Windows open. Windows open. We don't know how 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 long this window is going to be open. Well, but our championship window is you open. You saw they made a trade today. They made a trade today with Oklahoma City for draft picks, which they basically mm-hmm. gave up a future first for some Oklahoma City's draft picks now because they're like, hey man, windows open. Windows so open, we'll baby. give our 2029 first up to try and get something now because we need a couple more pieces to keep it open. But I, I said this on Instant Series on Wednesday night. The scary part about this Denver window open, it's two players. You can put pieces around these two players. Now it's now you've got to figure it out each year, but it's two players you gotta pay. Pretty much. And the rest you can kind of try and piece together. Aaron Gordon, they got on a discount trade because people thought he was washed up already and thought he was never gonna be the thing. They turned him into a defensive stopper. KCP on in multiple teams. So he's a good player, but not there. Michael well, Porter Jr. can't play. He's a high draft pick, but doesn't well, play a lot of minutes. Well, well, and you already got so much value because you drafted Jokic in the second round. Yep. So you know, what I mean, pretty much you've already, you've gotten so much value on that pick return on investment that you can afford to even overpay that guy. At this point, it's like, no, nah, man, you you've given us so much return on our investment. We were yeah. a second round pick for us, yeah, and you're a back to back MVP. How many how many franchises <laughs> can you say with those two guys? I could see them in the finals. If like they're a finals contender with those two guys on that team. Oh yeah. Because you need – Jokic is so unique that it's going to take the league a while just to kind of figure out yeah, you're gonna start how to stop hey, this you're gonna, Hey, you by the way, I mean? NBA fans, enjoy your big man on the roster next season that you think can't play. 
because that is the Jokic stopper. Yeah. That is a exactly. guy that we yeah. have to have in there. Yeah. No, th- and most teams are going to have one. They're going to build rosters now. And have, hell, the Rockets did it. Uh, hell, Darren Worley, he was. Uh, he was obsessed. Darren yeah. Warrior was obsessed with trying to build a team that can combat and counter the Warriors. Yeah. And he, he tried it and almost almost worked. Almost. He was very close, man. Almost. He was very – it didn't happen, but he was really close. So, uh, Patrick's right. It's definitely going to happen. Uh, okay, we come back. Uh, we'll talk about what the Texas Coast offense definitely has to have more of for the Dallas Cowboys. And we're going to table the uh, Adam Silver, John Morant sound for the 545 segment. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful down the horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, I was really interested in the comments from Dak yesterday. Uh, well, at least early this week. I don't know if they were from yesterday. We read them yesterday and talked about them. That the new name for the Cowboys offense is going to be the Texas Coast offense, which basically means they're going to run the West Coast offense, uh, but they're going to put their own spin on it. And last year, uh, they were running Kelly Moore's offense. And Kelly Moore's offense is not necessarily a West Coast offense. And Dak is on the record. So is Stephen Jones. And so is Mike McCarthy for saying about 30% of the offense is going to change. So I'm assuming that 30% will be the infusion of the West Coast offense and the Texas part will just be them keeping the 70% of the offense that Kellen Moore ran because like we pointed out I mean the offense that Kellen Moore ran was a damn good offense I mean if you take away defensive touchdowns like non-offensive touchdowns special team touchdowns it last year uh, was the best offense in the NFL not not named Kansas City or Philadelphia uh, they're the only teams that had a better offense if you remove non-offensive touchdowns. Last two years, Cowboys have had the highest-scoring offense in the NFL. So they've been scoring some points. I think it's all about when they're scoring those points and ultimately uh, who they score those points to get up against, right? You want those points to be in the playoffs against elite competition. So how? what is the 30%? Like, what is the difference? What's the 30%? What's it going to look like? And in what concept, what conceptual signatures are going to increase and decrease? One thing I can tell you for sure you're going to see more of is the play-action pass. There's no doubt. Um, Dak is just way better with play-action pass. Now, that also piggybacks on what Mike McCarthy has said in the offseason. They want to run the ball more, right? They don't want to score a lot of points. Because um, he said that's what Kelly Moore did. He wanted uh, Kelly Moore wanted to score a lot of points. He wants to win a lot of games. All right, and I know you're like, what? Well, don't you? Huh? Don't you? Don't you win games by scoring a lot of points? I get it. Um, but it's all about managing the game and controlling the game. And you don't necessarily control a game until you can be in it. You can run the ball. Uh, then you kind of control the lines of scrimmage, and that's what he wants to do. Um, so you're going to see a lot more play action pass. Dak is great with play action pass. And truth is, every quarterback's better with play action pass. I hate when they, you know, say like, "Oh, he's better with play action pass." Every quarterback, I haven't seen a quarterback whose stats actually drop, uh, get worse uh, when they're utilizing play action pass. And Dak, like all those, now for Dak, there's actually a a a giant disparity between using play action pass and him just in straight drop back. His pass rating with play action pass last season, 102 pass rating without uh, play action pass. His straight drop back pass rating was 87. 
So, so some quarterbacks, it's not that's it's not as drastic uh, that you know that dif- that difference between them and straight drop back play action. But with Dak, it is very drastic. So I think that may have been part of the frustration uh, last season. Maybe they want to use more play action pass, and I think they will. And you know, like, it, it, we even go to Texas quarterbacks just to take a little sidebar. We'll come back to the Cowboys here. Um, hell, Quinn Ewers is better with play action pass, and so was Hudson Card. And Texas quarterbacks combined last year, they 63% completion percentage with play action pass, 58% completion percentage without play action pass. 8.4 yards per attempt with play action pass, 7.1 yards per attempt without play action pass. There isn't a quarterback out there that doesn't improve by utilizing that, that cheat code. Um, and it works regardless of whether your running game is working or not. The stats have proven and the uh, the analytics have proven you don't have to have a dominant running game for your play-action pass to work because essentially you're just deceiving uh, defenders. So that'll work whether it's a play-action pass or not. I can tell you right now, most linebackers, and not most safeties, but some safeties, but most linebackers, because safeties often have pass coverage responsibilities that are prioritized over their run fit responsibilities. Linebackers Always run fit first. So they don't think about any. They got their run track minded, like most men. They got a one track minded. They want to stop the run. So you'll get a linebacker 90% of the time with the play action pass. I always say it's like cleavage. All right. Yeah. All it takes is a peak. All you want a linebacker, you want them to peak for a half a second. That that um, you know, that confusion. All right, to occupy his eyes for a half second, to make him a half a second uh, slower on his uh, next read, all that makes a huge difference in the play-action pass. And I think for, you're going to see a lot more of that with the Cowboys. Just And last year the Cowboys were ninth in the NFL, which was a pretty good high rate. I mean, they're top 10 at 26.4%. They should be top five. And I think next year they will be top five. They should be. Uh, and, you know, it, as there's a great quote. I think it comes from... The Prestige. I don't know. Have you ever seen the? Pre- you haven't seen the movies. I'm sorry. I, I, I think, I, I, think I know. I know which, you may. You is this know. the? It has the a, magic one. Yes. With yes. the trick that they no one can figure out. Yes. Okay. There I you know. go. See, I love that you know of all these movies, but you have not. No, seen No, you understand yet. what I. My, this is my sickness because <laughs> I don't. I don't want entertainment. I just want knowledge. Uh, I so I'll just see something about. Oh, it's interesting, and, and then I'll just read, and about- then I'll just Wikipedia it or whatever, <laughs> and just read the plot synopsis and be That's good. The worst, and then I'm done with you it. Spoil it for yourself, and yeah, then because I'm never gonna watch it. I'm not gonna sit for an hour and a half and two hours to watch this. It's amazing, but then I can know everything I need to know to have a conversation about. No, it. you're right. You could. Um, I know but, the references. That's no, all I need. Right. No, you, what, you know what? That's why I'm happy you got the reference. So I'm not lonely over here with the reference. But there's a great quote from there with the uh, with one of the characters. I think it's a, is it? A, I think it's. Michael Caine? Is his name Michael Caine? I think it's I think Michael Caine. In that movie. I think it's Michael Caine, the older guy. I might have gotten his name wrong. But he says every great magic trick, because it's a movie about magic, as Patrick told you, every great magic trick consists of three parts or acts. Right? The first part is called the pledge. The magician just shows you something, ordinary, deck of cards, bird, whatever, woman, man, doesn't matter. Shows you this object, you know, may ask you something, may entertain you, make a joke, whatever. Uh, but then they have the turn, the second part. The turn is when the magician takes the ordinary object, whatever it may be, away. Right? Boom. Disappears, goes away. Um, and then they have what they call uh, the, the hardest part of the, the trick. They call the prestige, which is what the movie is based on. It's when you bring the whatever object that you made disappear, you bring it back, and that's the wow moment. The prestige. That's play action pass. It basically has three parts. You show them, you show them run, you take it away, and then... Boom, you bring it back, the pass. 
That's it. It's 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 football's magic trick, and you got to use use it as much as you can. And it it has a lot of wow factor in it. And I think you're gonna see a lot of that with the Cowboys. So uh, that's the first. I I, I, I have a. I'll have multi, uh, multiple installments of this, you will, of what I expect to see from the Texas Coast offense of the Dallas Cowboys. All right, we come I, back. I, I have a oh, question sorry. real quick. Uh, my my host uh, on this series, Anthony, had a better name or a different name. Oh, please. I want to try. Go ahead. It's a similar thing, but it's a Texas Toast. <laughs> is that better for Dallas? No. We call it the Texas Toast offense? No, because that's, I think that's like bad, right? That no, they, you toast the other team. Okay, Whataburger might have something to say. Don't Whataburger love the Texas toast? I think they do. Well, we all love the Texas toast That's here. True. Other restaurants have Texas toast. I'm just toast. saying, you can't be the coast. You're not near the coast, You're guys. not near the coast. Actually, technically, Houston is the yes. third coast. Yes. It's a Houston thing, not a Texas thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm aware. Yeah, That's no, what I'm saying. Exactly, I'm yeah. trying to, we, we got to move away from the coast I again. Agree. I Because you, you threw Texas in instead of a direction, which is already weird enough, because you could have been South Coast, yeah, and that would have been closer. That was, South Coast is not my bad. Yeah. It's closer than, because at least then you're in direction. But. I know. I, that's a good, I know. I don't like the name. I'm, I, I I, I, let me be clear. Then, I do not like the name. No, just, none of us like the name. I'm referring to it as Dak has described it as the Texas if, Coast if I was office. If I was Mike McCarthy, I'd be like, guys, if this doesn't work, this is going to go down in infamy it as the be. worst name, worst offense ever. There's going to be so many nicknames off of it. Hey, and by the way, the West Coast offense wasn't something Bill Walsh thought up. It was actually Bill Parcells mocking Bill Walsh. Bill Parcells had uh, his Giants had beaten the 49ers, always had a rival with the, you know, the, the, the Bills, Bill Parcells and Bill Walsh. And after he beat them and in one, in one of the post game press conferences, he says, Now what do y'all think of y'all's West Coast offense? And it stuck. Yeah. It former stuck. former Cowboys. Uh, was he the coach of the executive, or was he like a executive? He was a coach, right? Who? Bill Cowboys? Uh, Parcells. Bill Parcells? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. He, he, well, at, famously, as Bill Parcells said, if you're gonna, if I'm going to cook the dinner, you got to let me buy the groceries. Yes. So he was a coach, but, yeah, he yeah. did it all. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we'll come back. We'll hear from Adam Silver about Ja Morant and have the discussion that I think uh, the entire country should be having right now about a toy gun. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful down the horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a 5-1-2 Friday. That's when the idealionaire Patrick Davis uh, plays jams from local bands and artists, very talented human beings that you have a chance to catch live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is the Big Gun Show playing Friday, uh, tonight, at Saks Pub doing their album release show. Did you plan this up? I know. This was picked out before. <laughs> Did not know what topic we were going to have oh, That's here. true because I actually made we made an audible here. Yeah. This is you supposed to be off the record, and we made an audible, so you definitely did not know no. we were going to No, play serendipitous. The, yes, Adam Silver sound of him talking about Ja Morant and the speculation that uh, his latest incident of uh, irresponsibly waving around a firearm on an Instagram live video. I know it's crazy. There has to be multiple incidents of that, but this is where we are. Um, there is a report, and it started from The Breakfast Club, actually, um, but one of the hosts on The Breakfast Club said they have intel from Josh Camp that they claim it was a toy gun. Adam Silver was on Dan Patrick earlier this week. And he addressed this particular issue and the status of Ja Morant's investigation. Here is Adam Silver. Is the Ja Morant investigation over? We're just waiting for the finals to be over to announce the decision. 
the latter. We are waiting for the finals to be over. Um, I'm aware, of course, of these reports on social media about, you know, whether the gun was in fact a gun. Uh, and so we haven't completely wrapped it up. Does that the, matter, the honest, Commissioner, if that's a toy gun? You know, it's, it's interesting. It, it's the very issue is for Ja, certainly in the first incident, was treating a gun as a toy. I mean, that's what we're talking about. And that's what I think the danger is to society, taking a gun, live streaming it, you know, this is without getting into gun issues in terms of the propriety of owning guns and the use of guns. I think everyone agrees that gun safety is critically important and that guns aren't toys. So it, it's, it, it's something that I'm thinking a lot about because, again, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the specifics of the investigation. But in fact, if you are live streaming something that to the world looks exactly like a gun and and in, in a frankly reckless manner, should it matter whether or not it's a real gun? I mean, I, you know, I, I will say at the end of the day, I, in terms of doing my job, everything that's presented to us is relevant. Past conduct is relevant. Um, the, the circumstances in which you're you're doing whatever the act is becomes relevant. And in this case, you know, obviously we're, we're going to take into account whatever is presented to us. So I guess the hypothetical conversation here, Patrick, is if it is indeed a toy gun, fake gun, not a real firearm, does it does it indeed affect the suspension that is obviously inevitable that is upcoming for Jean Morant? Um, what are your thoughts? No, if, and I also say interesting when you listen to that that he says I saw that on social media. It's like, I'm aware of it on social media. Yes, because he yes. does not say it as if John Moran's people told us this. And he's also basically like, it's not a part of our official investigation. Maybe not just yet, but I've heard it. Yeah. Yes. So that would mean that if they're willing to bring that, like, how would you have not already said that? I mean, maybe they're just, this is like a yeah, test balloon. Maybe John Moran's people are like, hey, we need this out yeah, there in the public we're, we're appeal it and see if it can get all the way to Adam Silver, which it did, yeah. and see what he says about it before we actually present. Because remember, he's already apologized for the incident yeah. and never mentioning. A no, and and I yeah, I mean, I guess you like, could be saving it for an appeal, like uh, for appeal and suspension. Okay. If he goes that's, half a season, then you point. go, you go. That's too much. It wasn't even a real gun. You know what? That actually makes a lot of more sense. Actually, you are saving it for the appeal. Yeah. First, see what he's gonna see what the the suspension is gonna be. If it's only you know 15, 20 games, you can swallow it. Just uh, yeah. move on. And then that when you go, yeah, and he's not gonna change that for it being yeah. a fake gun. If but it's, if, it's, if it's a season, if it's a season, uh, then, oh, oh, oh come on, it's not even a real gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Good. I I could see that being the case of okay. they're saving it for the appeal, or he'll let the let social media and the public do that for him. Yeah, we'll have that conversation. Be like, man, it wasn't even a real gun. That may be a little harsh to spend him a season. Yeah, and but I mean, at the end of the. He, if this was his first offense, then I think it's way more important that it's a fake gun because then it's like, oh, John Morant doesn't even have a gun. Yeah. He was showing off. He didn't think about it because he didn't think about gun safety because he's playing with a toy. But the fact that we know that he owns multiple guns and the fact that we have all this other past history yeah, this, yeah. then makes it, okay, well, now we can't treat this as if that. We're tr more trying to make the point of you have been extremely reckless with gun safety and then there's because if we want to believe this rumor that it's fake, we can also go look at rumors that mm. he threatened a kid with a gun too. 
This is true. And so if we're looking at just rumors, yeah. there it's more not in his favor than in his favor. Uh, so I think if you're John Moran's camp, you prefer all rumors to be thrown out. Uh, no, that's a great point, too, about there's a lot of stuff out there about Jai. What's official, official on the record is what the NBA yeah. is investigating. And I would just say I cannot believe ja- – and that's why I know Jai's got – I don't know if he's got bad people around him because that's not fair. He's got people around him who are who are not properly trained to handle public relations or a pub a crisis of some yeah. kind. They're they're ill equipped to handle it because at this point, how's it not gotten out that he indeed has uh, taken like gun safety courses? How have we not gotten him on some type of show interviewing? I know he's been doing interviews, but the interview discussing how, yes, I am a gun enthusiast. Like, like name the number of Americans. I'm sure yeah. they got the stats how out you, there, how, but I, I'm responsible. How about, have you not paid a safety instructor to at least go out and go, oh, no, he's coming in these classes and yeah, done this? Like, Tell him, pay, you pay him enough, you'll lie? You're dude, a millionaire? Dude, they got, we got politicians <laughs> in this country whose campaign ads had them shooting guns. Dude, it's all right to shoot guns. Yes. Just do it in a what they seem as a responsible way. We need to see you at the gun range with goggles on. Yeah. And we're like, to see if you actually know how to handle a firearm. Are you a member of the NRA? That would help, too. Like, seriously, we need to know because right now the perception is you are a, as you point, reckless, irresponsible gun owner and that you are one of the people that shouldn't have a gun because yeah. you don't want to shoot yourself or somebody else. You're, you think like you seem like one of those guys who turns the gun to the side before you shoot it. <laughs> Even though that's way less accurate. Hey, you saw that in the movies, man. Yes. <laughs> don't be that guy. <laughs> that is a great line. You turn the gun to the side when you shoot it because you saw it in the movie and it looked really cool. Oh, man. All right. There you go. Little John ja Morant conversation. Oh, we have, okay, you played on the other side. We actually have, and this is how you know, Adam Silver is having a little fun. He's a little fed up, too. He takes a shot at John ja Morant. He and uh, actually, they they trolled John Moran a little bit. We'll play it on the other side. We're late for the break. We'll play it on this side, and we'll also get into some Texas football conversation. Jalen Catalan back working out with the team. We got reports on early enrollees, wide receivers, getting reviews, all that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful number one.